Trunk. It's going to be a blast, and you know, and, uh, I know some some people will be thinking about the World Series. Uh, it's hard for me to watch, and um, I am a Cardinal fan. But it's uh, good to have you with us. And uh, tonight we are going to be having Teresa Trunk. We're going to be giving out candy, really getting to meet people. And I, I've been praying that you know church will be on our A game. We'll really be thinking about our purpose. In fact, next week I want to talk about being rooted in our purpose as we close out the Rooted series. If you've got your bulletins, you can get inside there a little bit. You'll notice some things that's going on. In the very back, our ladies' retreat is going to be coming up. It is just a couple of weeks. And I was going to let you ladies know this is the, we've, this is the most women we've ever had sign up at the ladies' retreat in years. And I mean years. Okay? So give yourselves a hand. Give glory to God there. That's awesome. Way to go. That's going, to, that's, going to be, that's going to be great, and uh, it's about digging deeper. Uh, again, our theme this year has been Stinking Roots, Raising Fruit, and so everything we're doing is relating to that, that theme. God wants you to be rooted. He wants you to, wants you to raise fruit in your life. He wants you to grow and mature and experience uh, Christ in you. I thought that was a great song to, to have just before uh, we come out. Before I come out, you know, the idea that the mystery of Christ in me you know, that, uh, I, the whole idea that there is a, is a mystery, and that's what I want to talk about today, is being rooted in um, His mystery, in God's mystery. If it's your first time here, you'll know some notes that are in your bulletin. Feel free to fill in blanks, to circle words. We like doing that uh, together. Take them home with you. Uh, you'll notice a communication card. And, and we, instead of having an altar call, we just ask people to make your commitment right there in your seat. And maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe there's someone you'd like for people to pray for. What do we do with these cards, Tim? Well, we collect them with our contribution at the end of the, of the services. And um, then we take those cards, we sort them out, and we give them to people on our prayer ministry that pray over these cards. And they pray whatever you put down, you know. And um, everything short of Cardinals, please win tonight. I mean, they may not pray for that, but... But, uh, but they will pray about everything else, all right? But if you have a need or if you have, maybe there's a decision you're going to make today after listening to today's lesson or a decision you're wanting to make anyway, I hope you'll do that and write that down and, and let uh, people pray about that and uh, ask God to give you the power to uh, fulfill that commitment that you're making today. Um, let's see. Da, 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 da. I think that's about it. Yeah. Oh, yes. So one other thing. Uh, we're, having, we're starting in just two weeks. Uh, a thing I've been calling it Wreck It Ralph. I know that's not the word for it, um, but it's rec- uh, is the reconciling everyday conflict, resolving everyday conflict. Yeah, and <laughs> I've been calling it Wreck It Ralph. So we call it Wreck R E C for short. And you can get the books, the workbooks today at the bookstore. Now make sure you get those. Uh, we're going to be starting those in two weeks. And there is a little booklet if you'd like to read along as well, of especially our leaders, our facilitators. We will have a list of all those groups, hopefully in our bulletin next, next week, so you can start thinking, well, are you going to go to this group? Maybe you've already got a group, but if you don't have a group and you'd like to go to a group that meets in a house, they have a coffee, you know, it's a very, very uh, low-key uh, setting, and, and they, we watch a video together, and then we discuss, uh, discuss that lesson. Or you, on a Wednesday night, if you don't like to be at a part of a small group, you can come on Wednesday nights and be here at the building. And we'll have somebody here to cover that material as well. But that's what's going on. And like, I want to encourage you to get in there um, and get those, those booklets. Uh, they're, they're on sale at the bookstore. And uh, I think they're pretty cheap, too. Okay, today we want to, I want to talk about uh, go on with our series. We've only had like three or four series the whole year. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's really strange. 
uh, we've had a you know, series of lessons. Some of them, we went through the book of Acts together, Acts Men. And here we are in a series called Rooted. And uh, we've been looking at how important it is to be rooted in Christ. And look at this passage. This is up on the screen. I don't believe it's in your notes. This is from Colossians, the book of Colossians. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present you uh, to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you know anything about the book of Colossians, it's about being rooted and built up in Christ. It talks about that in chapter one. And one of the things we've been one of the things we're that we've been discussing is this idea of being rooted in Christ, that we get all of our nourishment from him, but also all of our stability. You know, roots don't only supply nourishment, but they, su- they supply stability. And it's interesting to me that, that, uh, that this book, Colossians, is written to a, a, a church in Colossae. It's a small church, not a very big church. And it happens to, be, happens to be a church that Paul did not plant. He didn't start. But he writes this church about being rooted so they can be, have spiritual vitality, but also spiritual stability. And I think it's interesting that he's talking to a city that would later be destroyed by an earthquake about being spiritually stable. Isn't that something? That when your world gets rocked and stuck up, and I'm sure many of us here can think of something this year that has shaken you, maybe shaken your faith and disrupted your life, that it's in Colossians to a church that's shaky that God reveals to the Apostle Paul how important it is to be rooted and, and, I mean, deep, deep, have a deep foundation in Christ and find stability. God wants you to be rooted in Him. He not only wants you to experience spiritual vitality, but spiritual stability as well. And one of the things that I want to talk about today was this idea about being rooted in the mystery of God. There's been so many things we have talked about. We stop and think about it. We talked about being rooted in relationships, rooted in, in our, our family, being spiritually rooted, rooted in God's love. Gary did a fantastic job talking about being rooted in the will of God. Very good. If you, if you haven't heard those two lessons that were last week and week before, you can get those at our Welcome Center uh, in CD form, or you can listen to them at greateraltonchurch.org.com. But, but there's, we talked about being rooted in the Word of God. We talked about uh, one session was just being rooted in Christ in general. And then I had this idea about bitter root. What does the bitter root look like? Is it, are we talking about bitterness toward a person? Or are we talking just about a, something that our roots are in that just doesn't, uh, it's kind of bitter. It's not pure. It's not Christ-like. And today we're talking about this mystery. I don't know if you like a good mystery. How many people love like Harry Potter? Harry Potter people. Yeah, I watched Harry Potter. I, uh, uh, <laughs> Harry, you're a wizard. You know, I mean, is this really, a, you know, you got Hagrid who's about nine foot nine, you know, and, and you got and you got Harry, and you little Harry Potter, and he's got the lightning bolt on his forehead, and and, he, and I've seen the movie, uh, the movies. Uh, let's see, there was on our vacation a couple years ago. We, well, about two or three years ago, we decided to. Uh, we're going to watch Harry Potter. The last one was out, the last Harry Potter episode. And so uh, my sons and, and, and their significant others were quizzing me. And Matthew yeah, said, we're going to watch the last episode. Okay, well, wait a minute, Dad. Have you, have you watched all the episodes? I said, how many are there? Was there like seven? 
six, seven, eight, eight total. Well, you haven't seen the eighth one, but it's like one, two, three, four, five, then six and a half, six and a half, seven and a half. Well, one of them was a two-parter, wasn't it? Yeah, I was confused there, see, and I didn't. I, I quit watching after a while because I, how much of you know you can you get? You know, it's just a little too much for me. And they're saying, well, we're gonna, you're going to have to watch this, okay? And I go, okay. And so, uh, uh, but we've got to get you caught up. And then Matthew asked that question that intimidates all people. Have you read the book? And I go, uh, well, part of it. Which one? The first one? Did you read all of it? I read the cover. I read the first two or three chapters. That's it? And so the rest, we, so we're watching, we, we decide to watch all of the episodes before we watch the big one. And they're going to help me. And we're pausing it a lot because I go, who is that? Why did he turn into a rat? That don't make sense. And, of course, they had all the answers. And then we finally see the last episode at the drive-in. And I had, uh, you know, again, I had director commentary along the way in case I got lost, which I did. You probably remember, by the way, speaking of Lost, how many of you remember watching Lost? Yeah, that's a good one, isn't it? You always got that trombone. Ah. Something happens. Ah. Have you noticed that how many times that happens? You know, here comes Hugo. He's, he's looking for food. He can't find it. Ah. Desmond's hitting the buttons on this machine. You've got to hit him at just the right time. Oh, no, I hit the wrong. See you in another life, brother. Ah. And Sawyer, I don't know. Eh. <laughs> that guy was weird. It was just all these weird things happening, and they were jumping around future, back. You would have a flashback, a flash forward. I think a present flash. I'm not still I'm not sure. And I remember watching every episode, 121 episodes. You watch all of them, man. If you if you don't if you don't if you try to land in the middle and say I'm going to watch season three, you're going to be lost too. What's this? All? Does it make any sense? Yeah, but you know we like a mystery, and you have to for a mystery to make sense, it's got to have a context. Would you agree with that? You know, got to you got to have a flow of information, otherwise you lose it. And for a lot of people, I think Christianity is a mystery to them. You say, "What do you mean, Tim?" Well, I mean it's kind of like this: you're talking to them about Jesus, you talk, you start talk, studying with somebody of Christ, and they look at you like, "So what?" I studied with a fellow one time, and I'm going, I'm talking about Christ down on the cross. He goes, so what? I didn't ask you to do that for me. Literally said that to me. I went, we got a lot to learn here. Don't you understand what the scope of this? And see, it's, it's, for a lot of people, uh, Christianity is, just doesn't make a lot of sense because the most popular idea that they get sometimes is Jesus on the cross, and that's about it. They don't know very much before or what's coming afterwards. They just look at that. And I think Christians get confused, too. You see, understanding the mystery of Christ in me, that mystery of the cross, the mystery of God's plan, it's kind of like uh, answering the question, why? Then what? Because what is what we do, you know? But if you don't have a why behind it, guess what happens? You quit doing what? You forget what it's all about, like tonight. You know, what's tonight about? Teresa and Trump. It's about passing out candy. Well, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to do. But what's it really about? 
It's about meeting people. That's why you need to be on your A game. You know, at whack-a-mole, you need to make sure that the mole, we got, we're doing whack-a-mole. We're going to make sure the moles don't whack anybody back. Last year, we were whacking them back. You get a 13-year-old with a foam bat, they could hurt you. No, but, but, but I, all kidding aside, we, it's a purpose of meeting people, letting them see what our campus is like. So we don't have time to be petty with each other and upset if we didn't get this certain section or our generator's not working just right. I may be talking to, to me to, about that. But you know, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, about, it's a bigger picture, a bigger scope than just passing out candy to people. You're going to meet some of your friends. They're going to come. Your neighbor may show up. A coworker may show up. What are you going to do? Hey, there you go. Have some candy. Keep it moving. Cardinals are about to play. Amen? I mean, think about it. There's a bigger scope here, a bigger thing going on than passing out candy. And this idea of what is the mystery of Christ about, it's more than about going to church. It's more than about putting some money in a plate or circling some words, filling out a blank. It's about Christ in you. That Christ has been, that God, who was involved in mankind, trying to get involved again. And it is a hope and glory. And if you don't know the whole scope of the mystery of Christ, and it's important, I want you to know this morning, I, I, uh, I hope and I, I pray that you will begin to go, what, what is the plan of God? What is the whole scope of what God is trying to do? And that you get a good grasp of it and good understanding of it because that's what Paul said he was on earth to do, was to make sure that people understood the mystery, the mystery of, 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 of God. And I hope that you will be able to do that as well this morning as we, as we look at these things. Now, just like anything else, just like any mystery, uh, a book is busted up in chapters. There's 121 episodes in, in, in the, the series Lost. As I've read my Bible, I've come up with about five different episodes, if you will, uh, episodes that describe this mystery. And we're going to start from the beginning and work our way to the last episode. What's the first episode? Well, the first episode is God made it all. To understand the the mystery of God, we need to understand, first of all, God made it all. You know, you can't read your Bible without reading, in the beginning, God created. That's how it starts. And God made everything. He made everything. He created the animals, the plants, the stars. He created you. Now you might say, well, I know this. I know that. You might say, I agree with that and I know that. But have you ever thought about why? See, that's what a mystery is about. It's not just about a whodunit, but why'd they do it? Why? Why did God go to the trouble of making everything? And who did He make it for? You know, early this morning I get up. It's you know it's dark now, early in, you know six o'clock. I'm walking outside and there are the stars. And I couldn't help but think this morning, going, Why did you make those? Well, the stars are there. Scientists will say to help us with the tides and all this stuff and to navigate. Really, that's why He did that. You people can't even find your way to the bathroom, so I'm going to put stars in the sky so you can find your way around the world. Is that really? 
You know, that's our explanation. God, why did you make these things? It's a mystery. We've been trying to figure this out for centuries. But he's made everything, folks, and he's made it for a reason. Can I give you three reasons why I think God made everything? By the way, he made everything for you. Here's why. Number one, God made everything to reveal his glory. If you want to know what God is really like, just look around. We learn so many things about God when we look at his creation. Look at, it is up on the screen. Look at this passage. Is this up on the screen? It may not be. Well, let me read this to you. This is Romans 11. Everything comes from God. Everything exists by his power. And everything is intended for his glory. It says everything is made, everything God has made is for His glory. What do you mean by glory, Tim? It reveals what God is like. You just take a good look around this room. You see, God likes variety. I think the Hebrew word for that is Oscar Meyer. Remember that song? All kinds of kids eat armor, or, 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 or armor hot dogs. That's what it was. Short kids, skinny kids, fat kids, kids with chicken pox. Oh my gosh! They're letting diseased people eat these hot dogs. But you look around, and, and it's, everybody's different. Why is that? God must like it, and He must embrace it. And yet we have such a hard time embracing difference, don't we? I know there's some things that are different that the Bible's clear about, but God loves variety. No plants are the same. No animal is the same. Even identical twins, and we have a few of them running around here, they don't even act the same. Sometimes they want to rename those kids night and day because they are that different. God loves... So what do we learn? God likes difference. He likes variety. He... He's not going to be bored. He likes colors. He likes different sounds. But we also see when God made everything, not only do we see that He likes variety, He likes differences, He also is very organized because everything has a purpose. And they kind of, they do, they fit together like pieces of a puzzle somehow. We may not understand it. You know, I may not understand it, but you know what? God somehow works everything together for good, and it's amazing that it, how he does it. I always marvel at that. That everything has some kind of purpose in it. We find that he's also powerful. He's made some powerful things on this planet. And we see his power in that. So God makes, made everything to reveal who he is or what he's like. The second thing, the second reason I think God made everything, and that we need to see this, that God made it all, is that God made everything to express his love. He made everything to express how much he loves. You know, God makes things and he says it's good and he loves it. Can you say that? Everything you've ever made? Can you say, man, I love it? I can't. But God says, when I get done with it, it's good. And, and, he, and he made everything to express his love. It says here in Psalms 148, verse 9, this is in the Living Bible. Listen to what it says here. His compassion is intertwined with everything he does. In other words, the, the Living Bible is saying, translating this verse this way, that God's love is woven into everything he does. You ever wonder if God loves you? Well, then why is all this stuff happening to me? He loves you. He's woven in that. You know, uh, 
when you look at look at everything he's made, is he, did he make it out of love? Yes. You see, God is a, He made things not because He has love; it's because He is love. Big difference. That's a part of His character. And and the thing is, He's made everything out of love, and especially you out of love. You ever ask yourself, why am I alive? Why am I here? It's because God loves you. It's because He loves you. Because everything He does is intertwined with His love. You ever thought about this? Wow, this this thing's up here because we had a wedding uh, yesterday. And there was a couple standing right here with the wedding party. And the whole family was here. It was a great little wedding. And one of the things I thought was interesting is that, that God made these two people like He's made you and I, with the capacity to love. That's amazing. Do animals have this capacity? Well, they sure look like they do on the Internet. Some of those pictures look like they're doing loving things, right? But, but you realize you and I, we've been made with the capacity, capacity to love and the capacity to receive love. And that's because you and I are made in God's image. He is love. So even everything, everything he's made is out of love. And he loves it, but he especially loves you. That's why when I looked at the stars this morning, I realized he made those for me. And he made them for you. He made the fall colors for you. He made made the smells and the sounds of the changing seasons for you. Why would he do that? Why would he do that for us? Because he loves you. He loves you so much. He surrounds you with some good things. But there's another reason God has made everything. And it's important we understand this in this whole scope of this mystery. And that is that God made everything to have a family. Now, you might say, that sounds kind of weird, to have a family. Well, the Bible kind of dictates the kind of points I'm supposed to be making this morning. Okay? But when you read the passages, this is what it says here. This is in James 1, verse 18. And it says in the New Living Translation, it says, it says this, In His goodness, God chose to make us His own children by giving us His true Word. And we, out of all creation, became His choice possessions. I want you to see something here. Two things. One is, again, God made, God made everything because it shows His character, His glory, and expresses His love. And He wants a family uh, it's not that He needs you and I. He wants you and I. Mike and Kathleen just finished the adoption of Cheyenne. And I thought, well, they just signed the papers. They just signed the papers. And, and we were talking about this in the first service, that nothing against the kids that uh, you know, Mike and Kathleen have, the other children have, but Cheyenne is special because she was chosen. I mean, honestly, some of us here, some of us families, did we have some kids that were kind of like surprises? <laughs> we really didn't choose the timing of it, but it just happened. We won't get into that, but it happened, okay? But here when they get a chance to choose a, a, a girl out of anybody else they could choose, they choose Cheyenne. They sign piece of paper. They make a commitment. You know, and here is God. He's wanting a family as well. He wants a family. And it says He chose to make us 
his own children. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he spoke of this, he spoke of the same kind of thing, this mystery, God's plan. And he talks about family when he talks about it in Ephesians 3. And I'm going to read verses 14 through 15. And listen to this. He goes, when I think, he says, when I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, he goes, when I start thinking about the mystery of God, his whole plan and all this, he goes, I fall down on my knees and I pray to the Father of all the great family of God. He says, some of them already in heaven and some down here on earth. He says, when I think about this, when I think about this mystery of what God is trying to do, that He made everything, and He, he did it to express His love, He did it to, to show who he's, what he's really, what's really on His mind, and He did it to have a family. It makes me go from going, well, I already know that, head knowledge, to heart knowledge. He says, I fall on my knees. It humbles me. It, it, it causes me to call out to God. To call out to my God. See, guys, it's important we get this. To be rooted in the mystery of God, it's got to get past knowledge, head knowledge, and somehow get into our emotions, into, into what we feel, what matters to us the most. I just want to ask you, is this, is this something that's just, oh yeah, God created everything, or is this something you go, I marvel at that. And it changes you? Is it only deep as the skull? Because God wants it deep as in the heart. He wants you to get this. That in episode one, in this mystery, I made everything, Tim. And I made you. And I made you for a reason. I love you, but I made you for a reason. I want you I don't have to have you. I choose you. That's why you're here. Does it make you fall down? Not in shame, but in awe. What a God. What a God. What a plan. But episode two begins. And episode two, is the title of episode two is, Man Messed It All Up. God goes, look at this. I've got this set in place. The stars, ding, 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 ding. The sun, the moon. i got the earth just right so people won't burn to death or freeze to death. Oxygen's perfect. Got you in this. And look, what do you think? And we just start wrecking it. I mean, I, we, uh, this wedding yesterday just reminded me. I'm sitting there talking, and I'm going, you know, God put Adam and Eve... In a garden. The Garden of Eden. You know, if you had somebody say to you, hey, you, know, you need to try this, this uh, great place. To, it's a great resort. It's like the Garden of Eden. Are you thinking, I don't want to go there. You're going, really? It's like the Garden of Eden? Oh, yeah, it's awesome. Where's it at? Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful resort. Everything you want. Everything you need. Don't have to work. Don't have to worry. No suffering. No hassle. It's fantastic. And the Garden of Eden was like this. Think about it. I don't know if you know this or not, guys, but God, His original plan, He really wanted to make the, the earth a permanent home for you. It was perfect. No worries. No problems. No working. No sweat. No hassles. I was telling the couple, imagine this. At the first wedding, there's no cake, no PowerPoint, no flower girl. 
No clothes. Woo! It's beautiful. No in-laws. Why are my sons laughing? I don't, oh, oh. I forget that. But you know what I'm saying? It's that it, there, there's none of this is there. It's a perfect place. Perfect husband. A perfect wife. Yesterday, someone put on the back of their car, happy wife, happy life. I thought, thanks for the warning. That's a good point. You know, but, 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 but Adam and Eve could look at each other, perfect husband, perfect wife, perfect life. You see, God, when He made it, He made everything for you and I, and He made it for mankind. The first two got a perfect place. But it didn't take them long, did it? To mess it up. Danny and I grew up uh, with some cousins. You guys ever had cousins that do this? Maybe you're the cousins that did this. But they would come over to our house and tear up all of our toys. They'd wreck them. I mean, Tonka truck, indestructible, give it to Patrick. Let Lonnie and David have a go at it. Well, we would go over to their house. I would fix all their, their toys. That's, I think, where I started fixing stuff. Fixed it, Tim, and I'd fix it, and they'd break it right in front of me. Wrap it around a tree. What are you doing? You guys are crazy. We got to where we would hide our toys. They'd come after Christmas. They'd come, you know, where's all your toys at? This is it. Blocks of wood? Pieces of steel? We're thinking, yeah, try to tear those up. They managed and one day, this is the truth, one day they opened up one of our closets and one of David or Lonnie goes, toys! And they just dove in and you could hear stuff snapping and breaking and popping. They couldn't wait. You know, it, you say, well, you know, crazy cousins. Well, man, if they got it honest. We just are great at messing stuff up. Adam and Eve had it perfect in this place. And think about this for a second. You know, God didn't say, okay, it's a beautiful place and, uh, you know, we should have no problems. In order to make it truly perfect, he had to put choice in it. Well, that, no, Tim, that's when it messed up. So you'd like to live without choice? Really? Are you excited about Obamacare? No choice. No, we live... That's for, for the world to be perfect, this perfect place in the Garden of Eden, God had to give them choice. Why? Because that way He knew with choice if they loved Him that they really did. I mean, imagine this. Here's, the, here's Eve looking at Adam, or Adam looking at Eve going, Hey, baby, you're the only girl for me. What do you mean? Because I'm the only girl here. I didn't come out right. No. Hey, let me try it on you. You're the only man for me. Oh. So what a. Yeah, when you have no choice. I was telling Nick and Brittany yesterday at their wedding, I said, Do you realize that, Brittany, that Nick, out of half. The world's population, what is it now? Three and a half billion? 
something like that. Are we close to seven billion now? I can't remember. But out of three, I said out of three and a half billion women, Nick chose you. Now he didn't see all three and a half billion, but he had access to all three and a half. He could have went out and looked. I said, but he chose you. I said, and Nick, do you realize, Brittany, out of three and a half billion men, chose you? I mean, the guys went, man, you, you struck gold. She's got good looks and she can cook. Looks and cooks. That's great. I understand that. And so, so, I don't, so what's your point to it? My point is when you have no choice and you're, you're doing it because you have to, is that love? Think about this now. If you're doing something right now because you have to, that's not love. God isn't content with you. Well, I've got to go to church. I have to read my Bible. I have to go to group. I have to sign up for this. I have to be at Peace in the Trunk. I have to study this. I have to memorize that. I have to. Man, that's not love. You think God's content with that? That's conformity, but not conviction. That's not choice. You see, God wants it deeper. That's this mystery. For Christ in you is deeper than in what I do. I'm afraid some of you here, you have to. And have to isn't love. And guess what? When, when it's have to, it's... And it's not, that's not a relationship with God. That's religion. That's Christianity, not being a Christian. I never thought I had to say it that way, Alan. That's Christianity today, the, the marred view of it rather than Christ in me, belonging to Christ, which the word Christian means belonging to Christ. Man messed it up, guys. We Left alone to ourselves, it doesn't take us long to just mess it up. Look what it says here in, in your notes in Romans 5. Sin came into the world because of what one man did, and with sin came death. Yeah, I know who that guy was. Adam, well, before you get too tough on him, you may want to look at yourself. Because don't you mess up all the time? I know I do. I can make a mess of things. You see, ever since... And by the way, when, it, when God gave this choice to Adam and Eve, it wasn't a choice like, okay, you get half the planet. Stay away from the other half. No, He just said, you can do anything, just... Don't bother that tree. Just one thing. And just like any kid, you know, don't push that button. Don't touch wet paint. Happy dog, it is. What is it about us? We, we're just good at messing things up. And see, when, when Adam and Eve messed up, they brought death with it. Everything got broke. I can't Listen, you want to write something down? Write this down. Everything got broke. Everything. What do you mean, Tim? Everything. How do we say it? 
uh, we're having a communication breakdown. Or he's having a nervous breakdown, you know. We, we even take the Lord's Supper. I remember when we took the Lord's Supper years ago, we'd take it, we'd have the big cracker and the plate, and you'd hear this tink, 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 tink. Maybe you not know what I'm talking about. What are people doing? They're breaking off a piece of this unleavened bread. It looks like a cracker, but it's unleavened bread. Tink, tink, tink. Why? And I remember Denise going, uh, Denise, what's that all about? And she's like, well, it's, it's some imagery, I guess. And I'm thinking, I asked Mike, what, what do we, why do we do it that way? Why don't we have the little pieces of just have it all broke for us? Because I don't know, Tim, maybe it's good for us to break something during the Lord's Supper. Because we broke Jesus. Here comes Jesus Christ, the only perfect thing that ever came, and we broke Him too. We managed to break Him. Well, He come out of the grave restored. Yeah, it wasn't our doing. I'm surprised if we didn't crucify Him again and again. Wait a minute, we still can do that, can't we? We just, we just messed it all up. We can't even have a conversation without messing it up. We, we, can't, we can't be married ten minutes without messing something up. We can't be a church for 20 years without messing something up. Why? Because we're just messy people. We're like cousins. And we're breaking the good things, the gifts, the toys, the good things that God gives us. We can't be trusted with them. I'm not saying that to depress you. I'm just saying it's the truth, isn't it? Look at it says here in, in Romans. In um, well, let's see. What's, give me the next. Yeah, we've all sinned. It says and proved that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. He says we're incapable. We're unable to to live what God wants. Everything is busted. Everything is broken. Everything is polluted. Originally, it was all good. Originally, it was all perfect. Originally, we were supposed to stay there. But when sin came, Adam brought with it death. You say, yeah, that's a consequence, but it could be a blessing, guys, because that's the only way you and I are going to get out of this broken world is we've got to die to get out of it. And it could be it's a blessing from God that we don't have to stay in this stinky place. Amen. I, what I want to say to you is this. Two, I got two thoughts went through my mind. One is, God, has God given you something that you're breaking? Has God been giving you something and you've been breaking it? I mean, there's a passage in, in, Paul talks about in Romans about the law of Moses could not prevent us, could, make, could not make things right. That more rules doesn't, isn't no is not a guarantee that we're going to not break something. I mean, think about this. Are there things that you know you should do that are good for you, but you don't do them? Why do you do that? I know I'm supposed to exercise. I know I'm supposed to cut down on my fat intake. That's what my doctor has told me. I don't do it. Am I the only person that does this? Why do I do that? Because you're full of pride and you're selfish, Tim Gill. Okay. You're right. What's your excuse? 
I know I should drive the speed limit. But I'm not going to do it. Not going to do it. Why not? I don't know. I remember one time Nathan punched Matthew, and he was like five years old, and Nathan was. And I go, and he's crying. I'm yelling at him. What are you doing? Like Sergeant Carr, I'm yelling in his face. And he's going, and I go, why'd you hit your brother? I don't know. I just did. I'm like, you're doing your job. You know? I mean, that's a, why do we do that? And think about this, because that brings up a point. What, are, what about the things we do that we know they're bad, we know that are wrong, we know that they're going to make things worse, and we still do them? Why? Because we're good at messing stuff up. We're, we're sinners. We all sin. We're incapable. Now, I know there's some things I can fix. I know that. But there are some things I cannot fix. There are some things you can fix, church. There's some of you here, you can fix some good stuff. But you know, there are some things that are a little over your head, aren't they? That we cannot fix without someone else's help. And the Bible says Jesus came to this world to make things right. And I say all this to you to say something else. I know some of you here, you've been given something. Are you breaking it? Are you listening to people who are telling you that is breaking you? You're going to break something if you persist in this. Well, how, why? Why is that so important to hear that? We need to trust what the Bible teaches, this mystery. It says sin breaks things down. Everything gets broken with sin. Well, I don't see the big deal in it. I know you don't see the big deal in it, but God does. And He wants you to see it. And you will see the big deal in it one way or another. Everything is broken in, in Eden. Everything. The security and intimacy between two people, broken. Fig leaves now. Life, supposed to be a perfect world, broken. Even the weather, guys, even the weather on our planet is broken. Do you know that? You say, what are you talking about, Tim? I am telling you, well, let's think about this for a minute. And during the time the Garden of Eden was recorded, do you think that was June so nice outside, I don't think I'll wear a shirt today. Or underwear. You, I mean, I don't know. When I read Genesis again, I think it's sunny and nice. I bet it was. You think it was snowing and raining and storming and tornadoes and tsunamis and hurricanes? Why, it never rained until... At, it didn't rain until Noah built a boat. That was the first time it rained. Guys, the weather was even Perfect. So whenever you see a tornado or a thunderstorm or you see a tsunami, you see all this stuff, the earthquakes and all this stuff going down, it's because we broke it. We broke it good. And we're incapable of fixing it. If that's the truth, then I need somebody. I'll always need somebody to help me fix things. This is, this is the message Look what the message says. Here it is in a nutshell. This is the message. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, well, let's go ahead and look at episode 3, and I'll show you what I'm talking about. Episode 3 says, God makes it right. He makes it right. Now, flip over to Romans 8. Nathan, can you get down to Romans 8? No, the other, the, the other Romans, the Romans, I'm sorry, Romans 5, just before episode 4. Let's look at that verse. 
Look what it says here. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong, he's talking about Adam there, and got us all, got us, look, got us all into this trouble, that's the mess we're in now, with sin and death, another person did it, and who did it right. Who was that? That was Jesus. It says he did, the, he did what was right, and he got us, out of, got us out of it. But more than just getting us out of trouble, by, in other words, by paying that sin, he got us into life. See, this is the third chapter. Now break it back down, Nathan, to, to, to episode three here. Because the third chapter comes along. Because things are so broken, the third chapter of this mystery is God makes it right. He makes it right. Because we can't make it right, He comes and makes it right. All the promises, all the prophecies have finally come true. And Jesus is born. This is is the chapter we know the best out of the mystery. This is the one, if we knew, this is the one we know. Oh yeah, He died on the cross, Easter. He was born in a manger, Christmas. This Christmas... People are all going to be talking about either Santa or they're going to be talking about Jesus. He came to make things right. We get this. I I like this episode. Me too. Because what does it reveal? It reveals... See, the way I would have wrote this mystery was this. Okay. God made everything. Man messed it up. So God exterminates man and starts all over. But Jesus' coming says the opposite. He says, I will not give up on what I've done. Did God make a mistake by making man? Oh, God's just so full of pride and arrogance, He won't admit He made a mistake. He did not make a mistake, folks. Man made the mistake. God didn't make the mistake. And so He goes, I'm going to make it right. I'm going to do some more righteousness. I'm going to do some more right things. I'm going to send my Son... And He's going to make everything right. I'm going to restore what's been broken. Look at it says here in Romans 4. Jesus was given to die for our sins and He was raised from the dead to make us right with God. You see, Jesus is the solution to Adam's problem and to my problem, to your problem. I got a problem, Tim? Yeah, we all have the same problem. Our lives are unmanageable. We just, it, it's above our heads sometimes. Look at what it says here in Romans 5. When we were unable to help ourselves, at the moment of our need, Christ died for us, although we were living against Him. So episode, episode 3 is in this mystery is God came and made it right. I don't know what, what's wrong with your life. I'm not here to condemn you this morning. But you do need to look seriously at your life and find out what's broken. Why is it broken? Why can't you fix it? If you're so good at stuff, how come you can't fix it? That's a question I had to ask myself. When you realize you're unable to help yourself, there's some, you've got to get outside help. And it comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ. Not from doing religious things but actually pursuing a relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, episode four helps us understand the rest of these episodes because 
Episode 4 goes like this. God gives me a choice. We're back to, back to the Garden of Eden. Now that we, can, now we have a perfect way to choose, to choose, He's saying, now it's time for you to choose. You know, God will not force you to choose. He will not guilt you to choose. Whereas anything I've learned the last several years is I've worked so hard to get people to choose the right thing. Sometimes I've tried to manipulate with guilt and shame. Sometimes I've tried to push people trying to get them to do what God and choose what God says and God's not doing that. And I've learned it's your choice. It's really your choice. I can only do what Joshua said. What was it? What did he say? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. He made a choice for himself and for his family. You know, and he lives with that choice. And he says that to encourage other families, but it's still up to you and, to, and me. We make our choice. Guys, I have a relationship with God right now based on the choices I've made. It's the way it is. And I wish I could tell you, I wish I could sugarcoat something here, but I, there's, I really, it, you can't sugarcoat something. You must choose between serving God or serving yourself. You're going to serve somebody. Your boss at work, the bank. You're going to serve somebody Remember your family, your possessions. Somebody, something is going to be your master. And when you read, when you read this chapter in the mystery of the scope of the whole scope of the mystery of God, you find even Jesus said you can't serve two masters. And then when you read the book of Acts, you see over and over and over again choices, people saying things like this: "Man, what should we do to be saved? What do we do to be saved? Where do they get that? What, they realize they have a choice now." And God gives you this, this choice. What a precious, priceless gift. He says, you get to choose. You choose whether you want to serve me or serve yourself. Look at this passage here. This passage says, Christ died for all so that those who live would not continue to live for themselves. He died for them and was raised from the dead so that they would live for Him. See, you choose. Christ came. Yes, He died for us. He died for our sins. He came to give you a choice now, a clear choice. See, it's either going to be, am I either going to live according to my plan or God's plan? And Jesus encouraged us to choose. He wants you to choose. Choose Him. Look what He says here. If anyone chooses to do God's will, He'll find out whether my teachings come from, the, from God or whether I speak on my own. You see, when you, listen, when you bring God into your life, when you bring Christ into your life, it will change everything because you can't bring someone as big as God into your life and not change somewhere. It's impossible. That means if you're not changing, Christ is not in you. Hear me? If, 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 if God is so big, you can't bring Him into your life and expect nothing to change or very little to change. He's going to completely change you. And if He's not completely changing you, if you quit changing, Christ is not in you anymore. And that's the mystery. 
Your mom can't get you to do it. Your dad can't get you to do it. Your kids can't get you to do it. But Christ in you can. So, and it's a choice. God has the power, but you, you empower that. You empower His ability to work in you with the power of choice. And when, when you're able to choose Christ, guys, you can look forward to the last episode. It's the finale. Jesus is going to come back for you. This one hasn't happened yet. I know a lot of people would like to say it already has, and there's, you know, they use some scriptures, and I'm not one of those people. I believe Jesus is yet to come back. I do believe, though, that when Jesus came out of the grave, He brought us to a place on this earth that's a foretaste of heaven. Okay? We do get the idea of what heaven can be like, even though in our, we're living in a broken world, the hope and the power of living a Christian life. We see that. That heaven begins when I become a Christian. But when you read passages like this passage here in John 14, when Jesus said these words, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I am going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be to be with me, that you also may be where I am. He's coming back. He's coming back. What are your plans? Let me ask you a question. What are your plans? God has long-term plans for you. Long-term plans. Look at this passage here in 1 Thessalonians 5, the Living Bible. Jesus died for us so that we could live with Him forever. Whether we're dead or alive at the time of His return. He came and died on the cross so you could live with Him forever. That's long term. Whether you're alive or dead, when He comes back. You know, one of these days, guys, God is going to wrap things up. He's going to close shop down on earth. One of these days, He's going to come and take those that have chosen Him home. Now, we don't talk about this at Greater Alton very much. I don't know why we don't talk about heaven so much. I, I'll try to repent of that. I, I've often wondered if we, talk, we don't talk about heaven so much because it seems like everybody else is talking about heaven. And they're not talking about our purpose on earth. And maybe, that's, maybe there's a fear that if we talk about heaven too much that we won't, we'll forget what we're here on earth to do. I hope not. But heaven is going to be a glorious place. I can tell you that as I read my Bible. And it's a place prepared for you and I that, that Jesus is going to bring you. You've chosen Him. He chooses you. He'll make sure you get there. It's, it's a home. And when I read my Bible, it's like a home. I like what Peter said it's a home for the righteous. While I was off for three weeks, I was in Bone Gap. We made chowder in a kettle. Bunch of soup. Uh, real good stuff. We're want, I'm wanting to make another kettle around here so everybody get a taste of this stuff. Because once you get a taste, you know, the first bowl's free, second bowl's $100. And so it's, it's easy. to You get addicted. Oh, it's very good stuff. And... Um, after the chatter's over, you know, uh, there for a couple more dates. And he goes, you know, you got the morning. You know, whatever you want to do. So I get in my truck and I just drive. I grew up in Edwards County. 
And I and naturally where I'm going to go is where I grew up, that family farm. And so I go to Golden Gate, and there it is, the old St. Ledger place. My great-grandfather built this house at the turn of the last century. And the barn's gone. Uh, Danny and I used to play in that barn, play army with our cousins when our toys worked. All the different pigs, cows we had. Gladys, that was one of our pigs' names. Elmer was our boar. Gentleman Hog. Why'd you call him Gentleman Hog? He was registered. He had papers. So he was a gentleman. Chickens. Rojo. Our rooster. This, this is a super chicken. I kid you not. This chicken was big. Knock you down. Had a dog named Fearless. Wasn't, a, wasn't afraid of a thousand pound boar, but would run from a baby quail. True. I drive up to the house. The barn's gone. The granary that has my great-grandfather's writing on the wall is falling in. It's home. I've lived here since 1985. And nothing against you all. You're my dear friends. You're family of God, but home. I smell morning glory vines and the blue blooms. I, my Uncle Herschel plants white pine trees and they're now, the trunks are this big around pine cones as big as your hand. And I remember when they were planted, they were only this tall. You can smell that. I smell the dirt, Danny, the dirt. I'm walking through this field called the Long Field and it's real long. That's why we call it the Long Field. And I decided, I'm, I've driven behind the farm now and I'm walking on this dirt and I find an artifact. It's a chain from a combine from the 60s. And I know it's one of ours because we worked on that equipment all the time. I pick it up, put it in my pocket. Dirt, rust, and all. It's like gold. I look up and I, I see our old place now and a little dirt road that Danny and I used to ride on our bicycles and We'd hunt crawdad in the creek. Oh, wow. I can hear tractors. I can hear dogs barking. I hear my dad cussing the planter. And what used to be some unpleasant memory, for some reason, it just fills me with such joy. And I kick in the dirt and I go, it's not mine anymore. Oh, I wish I had the money to buy my farm back. Because it's home. And without thinking, I'm, I'm not exaggerating, folks, without thinking, I go, Lord, I look at the house from way back in the long field and say, are you telling me heaven's better than that? And it was like the Holy Spirit is speaking to me and says, absolutely, Tim. Better smells, better sights. Oh, what you're about to experience someday is going to take your breath away. Home? You call that place home? 
I've got a better place for you. And He has a better place for you prepared too. Better than anything you can imagine. And one day He's going to come. It may be in our lifetime. It may never be. But He'll come. And whether you're dead or alive, you will be with the Lord forever. You choose Him. He promises that. Look at this passage as we close. Read a little bit of it earlier in the lesson. It says, All creation is eagerly waiting for that future day. There is going to be a day when God's going to come shut this place down. It says, For that future day when God will reveal who His children are. In other words, one day, guys, God is going to reveal who His children really, really are. Everything, every, listen to this, everything is made by God. Every, everybody is created by God. Everybody here is loved by God, but He is going to come and take those that have chosen Him. If you haven't chosen Him, you're going to be left behind. It says, all creation anticipates the day when it will join God's children. That's family. Some of you here, we've been, I've been here long enough now. I'm one of the, the, you know, one of the founding dudes, and I'll tell you, I I look forward to seeing Vernon. I look forward to seeing Carol, Janet, Barb, Bill. Looking forward to seeing people like that that are gone here and are waiting to welcome you to me. There's going to be a day that's going to happen. We're a part of that family. You've chosen you're a part of God's family. Look forward to this day. It's the finale. Get ready for it. And you know you're going to find out it's going to explain even more about the mystery of God. It says, in the glorious freedom, because He's going to join... His children in the glorious freedom from death and decay. In other words, you're going to be free of this broken world forever. Praise God. Praise God. But the question, there's a question that remains on your notes. Just to ask yourself this simple question. What role will I play in the finale? What role will I play in this finale? May God help you. Let your role be one of His children. You say, Tim, I don't know if I'm a child of God or not. What do I do? How about asking somebody to study the Bible with you? I'm not sure if I'm a child of God. Ask somebody to study the Bible with you. There's a box there you can check on that card. It says, I want a personal Bible study. If you say, well, you know, Tim, I, I, I have left God. How do I come back? Just start coming back. You think God... Won't welcome you back? Absolutely. So come on back. Your church will welcome you back. Because you're a part of our family. We're going to sing a song and give you a chance to fill out that card. And then we're going to sing another song and take up those cards and our contribution. And if you're a guest here, we want you to know you're not under any obligation to give to this church. If you're a member... We could use your help. We could use it, okay? But if you're a guest, you're not under any obligation to give. 
By the way, if you do, we'll use it. We will use it. So let's pray and then uh, you can fill this card out. Lord, God, we thank you for...